Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Yeah, let us pray. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us, Lord, in your house, even in this time and hour. Thank you, Lord, and pray that uh, even as we hear your word, that this word, Lord, will uh, minister to the speaker of it and the people that will be listening to it. And that, Father, this word will bring a new revelation and a new illumination of your word, even in our hearts. I pray that this word bears fruits. In our hearts, Lord, a hundredfold for the glory and honor of your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Move what? Yeah. Ah. Oh, you're not in front of the speakers. That's why there's feedback. Amen. <laughs> this is much better, right? <laughs> Amen. The great exchange. The great exchange. Uh, this afternoon. Uh, this morning, it's almost afternoon, I want us to interrogate the word of God on what the great exchange is. The Easter story. Why is the Easter story important to us? I know it's a spoiler because Easter is just a few weeks from now and I'm already talking about Easter. What I think Easter should be what we talk about every day of our lives because we are gathered here because of that Easter story. Why is Easter so important to us? Why is the death and the resurrection of Jesus something not just to talk about once a year, but something to grasp and to understand and to walk with and to celebrate each and every day of our life? And uh, Technology. Oh, there you go. <laughs> to get us off, I want to start us with a story. The story is about a, a couple, a poor couple that lived in Florida. And this couple won a trip, won a cruise in this great uh, cruise ship. And they were, they were a very young couple, but also very poor and very inexperienced. And they didn't know what it entails to be in a cruise ship, but they were given that lottery ticket and they were told, you are going on a cruise ship. And this, this ship is gonna go from uh, Florida, it's gonna go to Bahamas, it's gonna go on all these wonderful places that, that you've heard about, but you've never been to. So this young couple uh, gets ready and pack their little bags and they actually pack packed food. And they get into this ship and they are ushered in and they are showed into one of their rooms. And in their room, there's a little window out there and they can see out in the sea and they are excited. <laughs> they have never been on a ship before. And this is a multi-billion awesome ship, but they are ushered into their room and they are told, this is your room. And a paper is given unto them. And they are told, take this, read it, and you will find in it everything you need to know about this ship. And this point is gonna be 30 days. And so they are excited, they, they unpack and they hang their clothes and they hang in there and there's a little shower there and there's a little TV and that they can't believe they are in this ship. 
and then they stay in there and they have their packed food and uh, one day goes by and uh, they start eating their little food and it's now getting cold and uh, but they don't have even a microwave in that room and they're like okay yeah you know we're really enjoying this we are in this shape who who does this we are in this big shape this uh, great cruise ship and, and and the second day goes by and the third day goes by and they're still in their room enjoying it and just uh, taking it in you know they have this little window and they can see out in the sea they can see sometimes dolphins jump out of the water and they're taking the pictures and they are having a a, a great a, a great thing in their life and, and and days go by and it is two weeks and three weeks and their food is running down and uh, you know uh, some of it is getting bad and and and, and but, but they're happy they're happy to be in this ship and just a week before the, uh, the, 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 the voyage comes to an end, the captain starts looking for them. And they say, there was this couple that we picked up, they were in the lottery, and we've not seen them for the last three weeks. Where is this couple? And so they sent for a search team to look for them. And they look for everywhere in the ship, and they find them in their room. And they knock at the door. And they say, hey, where have you been? It's been three weeks. Where have you been all these three weeks? And they say, no, we have been so grateful. We've been in this little room. We've been enjoying. The food has been going bad and cold, but that's not something to worry about. We've been enjoying being here. What a great ship this is. Look at my room. Look at that little you know, uh, window over there. Out of this window, we've seen the world. This has been a great experience. And, and, and they are thanking the, the captain profusely about it. And the captain says, but where have you been for three weeks? Said, We've been right here enjoying it. Thank you so much, captain. The captain said, did they hand you a paper when you came in? The said, yeah, we were given a little paper. Where, where is it? And they started looking for it. And they can't find it. And then they finally found it. And the captain picks the paper and says, hey, this ship, this was your contract coming into the ship. This is what you want. And he stands there and starts reading it to them, page after page, and says, well, you were supposed to dine at first class every day. And opens the other paper and says, well, you were supposed to be uh, at the swimming pool, and there was a gala in honor of you. And there was all these things. There was a dance. There was, there was all these things that you were supposed to be there. We've been looking for you all over the place. Where have you been? And now it's only five days and this ship is going to land. And so they went like, oh my goodness, all this time we've been seated here enjoying what we thought was all we were supposed to enjoy. But yet there was so much more that we never got to enjoy. Friends, that is the Easter story. That I want you guys to know. The rights and privileges have been offered to us in this great exchange that Jesus took what was our place, what was our estate, and exchanged it for such great things that we've only, only but scrapped only the surface of it. We've not been bold enough to look at this contract and open it up and say, hey, I, I also get this. I also get healing. Well, do I also get to, 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 to be with the Lord? Do I also not just get eternal life, but I also get 
to, to, to have riches and healing and all those things. And I want to tell us that the rights and the privilege that have been offered by the Easter story have been given to us, but however, they will not be enjoyed unless they are pursued. We have to pursue to access and enjoy the rights that have been given to us. So what is this great exchange as far as the Bible goes? What did Jesus do to us? What happened to us when Jesus hung on that cross? Why are we excited about it? Why are we doing the Lord's Supper today? Why is this something not to shout about on the mountaintops? And today I want to suggest four things. This is not an exclusive list, but I want to suggest four things that I think are very important about the great exchange. And the first thing is that Jesus took our death penalty and gifted us eternal life. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come unto judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is an easy one for us to agree on because this is like getting into that shape. We already know we are in this shape. I know many believers will look at this and say, yes, this is basic. I believe this. This, is, this was told to me when I got born again. And so we, we are starting off reading this contract from the easy parts. Hallelujah. So hang in there. Hang in there. Maybe at the end of this service, a few of you will look at me and say, I didn't agree entirely with that. But I want to assure you, it is in the contract. It is in the contract. We just have to take time and read it other than just enjoy this little scenery out of this little window. And so Jesus took what was our place in death and gifted us eternal life. We have passed from death to life. And brethren, I have an announcement. We have eternal life. Amen. We have eternal life. And this life is hidden in Jesus Christ. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's why the Easter story cannot just be told one Sunday in a year. It should be told every Monday and every Tuesday and every Wednesday of the 365 days of the year. It is so important for us to understand that when we were supposed to be dead and separated from God, Jesus took our place. He took that which was supposed to be given to us in punishment and gifted us eternal life. He became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ took which was our part in, in unrighteousness, and, and he became sin that we may become the righteousness of God. And I'm already on the next one, I think. He exchanged what was supposed to be a sin and gave us his righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness uh, of 
that we may become the righteousness of God in him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. And Paul is talking about this, talking about the righteousness that has been imputed to him by Jesus Christ dying on the cross and him becoming the, the righteousness uh, of God. And he says, this righteousness is not something that I have owned. This is not something that I have worked on. And in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, Paul says, and I pray that I am found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I know Pastor James says this a lot of times, quit trying to earn, to, to earn your own righteousness. You know, we are not righteous because we came to church this morning. We are not righteous because we did so many good deeds that God cannot ignore us. No, we are righteous, and this was said in the Bible study this morning. We are righteous because it all depends on Jesus Christ. It is the finished work at the cross. Now, that was this great exchange that he took our sin. We were born in sin. We were bred in sin, but he took away our sin and imputed unto us a righteousness that does not fade away. A righteousness that does not depend on us behaving well. A righteousness that depends on him and entirely on him. What a joy to know that I don't have to perform for me to be righteous. What a joy and what a, what a relief to know that God does not look at me and look at every little mistake I do and say, there you go, you are unrighteous now. He says the righteousness that has been put upon us has been imputed on us by his own son that he has taken our sin and gave us his righteousness. It will astound you how many religions in the world teach how to be righteous. And there are seven steps to this and ten steps to the other. And there is a voyage and you have to go to Mecca for this many days and you have to give half of your wealth for you to earn this righteousness for God to be able to look at you fondly and say, there goes my son. Then you have to do this many, this many things. But I am so glad that the righteousness that me and you enjoy today is all the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. He became sin that we may become the righteousness of God. Now we're going to open this contract a little further. And I think this is where we will start to disagree. Hallelujah. Because I know many of us are really glad that we are part of this cruise ship. And we are asking for nothing much than just being in this little room and enjoying this scenery. But I want to bring a lot more things that are in this contract. This is These are the things that were made manifest and were made available for us when Jesus died on that cross. And brethren, I want to put it to us that he took our sicknesses and made us whole. He took our sicknesses and made us whole. Matthew chapter 8 verse 17. This is in fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah. And it says, when evening has come, I start from verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
Jesus was not doing something that he thinks it's cool to do. Jesus was actually, uh, 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 um, he was actually uh, fulfilling prophecy by healing every person that came to him. When Jesus hung on that cross and by, uh, and by his stripes, he took away our sicknesses, our diseases, and our infirmities, it is not just for show. It is in fulfillment of what is in the contract. Isaiah writes about it many years ago and says when he comes, he's going to take away your sins. He's going to take away your infirmities and he's going to bear on his body your sicknesses. There is no reason, children of God, that any of us should live in sickness and disease. There's no reason why we should be bound by infirmities. There should be no reason why we should be feeling under persecuted by sicknesses and disease because it is in the contract. He took away our sicknesses and our disease. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. Sicknesses are not always as a result of sin. However, you will agree with me that by the fact that we have sicknesses, it is a sure indication of our fallen nature. When God was visiting with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, Adam did not say, Lord, I'm actually having a headache today. <laughs> because they were not fallen. They were in a perfect state. And tell you what, the desire by Jesus Christ coming into our lives, the, 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 the ultimate goal, when all is said and done, we shall be in that state like Adam and Eve were in. We shall be in a place where there is no sorrow, there is no sickness, there is no crying, there is no gnashing of teeth. There will be plenty. Hallelujah. Because that is what was the intention, that was the uh, perfect plan of God, even at creation. And so shall it be when we shall see him in those clouds, and we shall be changed and be transformed, and we shall be with him there in the heavens. And I want to tell you, we will not miss one service because you had a stomachache. You will not miss one service because you had a doctor's appointment. Because sickness and diseases is as a result of our fallen nature. So what do we do with sicknesses in our midst today? What do we do? This is what James suggests. Actually, he does not suggest this is what James instructs in James chapter 5, verse 15. He says, and when we find somebody that is sick in our midst, we should make a prayer for them, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We all in our hands, the keys to healing of every sickness. James does not just suggest it. James says, this is what you do. If anybody comes in your midst and they are sick, you should lay hands on them and proclaim that they are well and it shall be done unto them. This contract is becoming a little difficult now. Because uh, we are stimulus now. They didn't have medicine then. And now we have medicine, now we can go to doctor's appointment. But I want to tell us, maybe it's because we are sluggish in opening this contract. Maybe it's because we want to believe parts of it, but it is too good for us. We were brought from a very poor estate, and we are just happy to be part of this cruise ship. 
and we are not ready to take in and enjoy every right and every privilege that comes with it. And I want to tell us, I'm convinced this morning, standing in front of you, that healing is part of the deal. Us being well in our flesh is part of the deal. James says, make a prayer for the sick in your midst. This week I came across a very interesting verse when I was doing my morning Bible studies. And it is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. And I want to read that to us. And it says, Paul is giving a story about comparing these mortal bodies to the bodies that we will receive when we are uh, when we are changed and transformed. And Paul is talking about this mortal body and says, this body is that is that is brought up in corruption. This body is, is prone to sicknesses. This body is that is that uh, is gonna die. It cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But he says in verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. There is a promise unto us that if as much as we live in this body of dust, this body that is prone to sickness and to weaknesses and being tired, this body that is, has been born in corrupt, with the corruptible, what day is coming that when we get that resurrection body, that we shall get a body that is not prone to degradation, that is not prone to decay, and is not prone to corruption. Amen. That day is coming. But brethren, until that day comes, then we have to do a patchwork on this body. And how do we do that? It's by praying for healing over this body. Let us not tire when somebody comes to you and says, I am sick, I am feeling unwell. The first thing should be, the first thing we should ask should be, can I pray for you? Because I have a contract in my hand that says he borne my sicknesses in his body. But many a times we look at the person and says, well, I know of a specialist. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I know of a good doctor. I know of a good dentist. And I'm not by any means negating the, the, the good work that is done by the, medics, by the medics. But I'm saying there is something higher than that. And it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, we were healed. Now I'm about to conclude, but I'm going to get a little even further in this contract. And this one is going to be even more, more ish-ish. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe with the whole of my heart that he became poor that we may be rich. Hallelujah. He became poor that we may be rich. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says, For you know the grace of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that, that you through his poverty might become rich. Newsflash, Jesus was never in debt. Jesus was never in debt. He did not carry a credit card by Capital One. <laughs> Jesus did not contribute to a 4-3 plan. Maybe it's because he knew he will not need it. Because he's going to die at 33. The richness described in this verse is not a lot of money in your bank account. The richness that is uh, 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 talked about in this verse does not mean you will never lack anything. The richness that is talked about in this verse 
is about contentment with gladness, having need of nothing. Contentment with gladness, having need of nothing. I know we live in a, a society that is very materialistic, that we are judged by the number of gadgets we possess. We are judged by the, how big our house is and how big our car is and where we go on vacation. And these things have become so important that they have muddied up what it means to be rich in Jesus Christ. We are always pushing for that next pay and that next goal and, 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 and that new business. And in, in our seeking of all these things, we have lost what it means to be content with gladness, having need of nothing. Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. And Paul is writing to them after they have already sent an offering to him. So in verse, in verse 10, Paul receives an offering from the Philippian church. And he's a church planter wherever he goes. And, 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 and the Philippian church is probably his sending church. And the sending church has sent Paul uh, on his journeys. And they have sent him some money or or. or, 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 or or some resources. But Paul looks at them, and in chapter 4, verse 11 and 13, this is what Paul says. It says, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how it is to be a best, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And I love verse 13. He says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Contentment is an attitude that says, I will be satisfied with what God has given me. I wonder how many of us will sit here today and say, I am content. I am rich. I am rich because I am content with whatever and I'm satisfied with what God has given unto me. Paul says in verse 13, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Paul realizes that his health, his riches are not connected to his wallet, not to his sending church. His riches is what abounds in Jesus Christ. I have my fullness, I have my satisfaction, I have my bounty in Jesus Christ. In him, I can do all things. In him, I move, in him, I live, in him, I have my being. I find my solace in him. Though this body might be hungry, yet I am rich. Though this body might be sick, yet I am well. Because I have the Savior of the world. I have him that makes provision for everything that I need. Paul talks to us about a very important thing, that his needs are met in Christ. And there is no limitation in Jesus Christ. He can do everything. And we can do everything because we are in him. Amen. He allocates for whatever he approves. If God wants, if God approves anything, then he will make an allocation for it. He makes provision for every mission that he has called us to. He became poor that we may be rich. It does not mean that you will own Microsoft. 
it means you will be content in whatever state you find yourself in. That you will not be stressed up in life because you did not measure up to the Josephs. You will not be stressed up in life because you did not get that child and you did not drive that big car and don't live in that big house. But you will live in a state of contentment. Knowing that what makes you happy is not what is without, but that which is within. And we have Jesus within us. So what do we learn from this wonderful couple? Let's go back to this wonderful couple that is in discipleship. Two things that we learn from them. Now, the lottery was conferred. The lottery was won, but it was not earned. It's very important. These people did not work to get on that position. And I have news for us, neither did we work to earn our salvation. We came into salvation by his will. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Brethren, we did nothing to be in this space, and we are going to do nothing to maintain this space. We are just in there. We did not earn it. We did not, we did not work for it. It was conferred to us. It was awarded to us. It is a gift of God. His gift is eternal life to all that will believe. But the second thing we learn is that the cross was fully paid for. However, it needed to be claimed. It is not just enough that it was already paid for, but this poor couple, I think they were from Africa. That's why they were so they were <laughs> that's why they were so humble. That's why they were so satisfied with so little. But you have to claim it. We have to open this contract and say, what is in this thing for me? What great exchange did I get? Why did Jesus have to die? What do I get out of it? Not because I worked for it, but because he has paid for it, then I need to claim it. We have to wear our boldness. We have to approach that seat of glory, that, that master seat with boldness, with confidence, knowing that we are speaking to him that is ready to give us even more. If he, has, he, if he has given to us the Holy Spirit, how much more will he also give unto us? With peace and, 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 and satisfaction and everything else that we need for this life. This cruise was fully paid for. However, it had to be claimed. James 4 verse 2 talks about we don't get it because we ask not. It says you fight and there is a war in you, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not get because you do not ask. This is what Caleb said in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. Sorry. Joshua chapter 14, verse 12 and 13. So Caleb is now an aged man, and Caleb have, has they've entered into the promised land. And, 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 and Caleb looks into the land, and he sees the mountain. And in that mountain, there lives the Anakims, the race of the giants. And in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12 and 13, Joshua, uh, Caleb says to Joshua, Now therefore, give me this mountain, of which the Lord spoke in that day, that you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that the cities were great and fortified. 
It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephne, as an inheritance. Mm. Caleb says, this cruise has been paid for, but I have to claim it. The Lord has brought us to the promised land, but there are still some sons of the giants on that mountain. And that mountain belongs to us, and I'm going to go get it. And he says, Joshua, give me this mountain. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will be able to drive out the Anakims. The Anakims are a race of giants. Now, Caleb is not asking for something little. Caleb is saying, I am 80 years of age, but I want to go to battle and take back what which is mine, and I'm going to displace giants in their land. Their cities are fortified. They are big men, but they are too big to miss. I'm going for them because God has given that to me. Caleb is seeking to cash out on the promises of God to go and get the land that flows with milk and honey. Some of us today need to say, give me this city. Give me this family. Give me this workplace, oh Lord. Because I know that wherever I go, I have this great message of the great exchange. I have this Easter story that when they receive it, their lives will be changed and transformed. Maybe sometimes when we don't ask for our mountains, it's because we are afraid the Lord might say yes. Amen. <laughs> and when he says yes, it means we have to face those mountains. We have to face those giants. And we shudder to think the sheer work it will take for us to face this many things. And so we settle down and say, well, I think this is good enough. I think just being in this cruise ship and enjoying the ride is good enough for me. Why should I mingle with the big and the mighty? Why should I go and enjoy everything? Why should I go to the gala night? Why should I go and be entertained? No, 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 no. I think it's just enough for me to eat my packed lunch and sit in this little room. Caleb says, no, I won't just settle down as long as the giants are in our land. Give unto me this mountain, and I will go and get it. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. We meet another character in the name of Jabez. And Jabez says unto the Lord in First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It says, and Jabez called unto the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you may bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand will be with me, and that you will keep me from evil, and that I may not cause pain. And the Bible says, so God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. Friends, God wants to enlarge your territory. God wants to enlarge your tent. I don't know how that looks like in your life, but God wants to do that. In conclusion, I want to say a few things. Now, we are prudent enough when we get a contract, if it's a business contract or a work contract, sometimes when a lot of money is involved, we take it to a lawyer to read and interpret it for us. Now, we are prudent enough to do that. Now, that contract is in English, and I know all of you speak better English than me, but you still take it to someone else to interpret it for you. We have that prudent. Uh, that prudence in natural things, so ought we 
to be prudent also in spiritual things. It is not enough just to hear one verse on a Sunday. It's not just enough to read one little verse every day. It is enough for us to plunge ourselves in and to bring out and to unearth the richness of what God has given unto us in the word of God. Because the more we understand it, the more we know it, the more we will claim it. And the more we will be convinced of it. Sometimes maybe the reason the word of God does not, need, does not seem to have a, a lot of things in our lives is because we do not take enough time to look at it. And I know I'm six minutes past, but I'm going to finish. We cannot just settle for the little things that the world is giving unto us. His ways are way above our ways. We cannot settle down in peace when the enemy is violently taking our city, taking people into spiritual, uh, 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 spiritual hostages in drugs and suicide and crime. We cannot be passive where souls are at stake. We need to act out. Jesus took away our sin and its consequences and his curse and offered us redemption and wholeness and eternal life. To this morning and this afternoon, I really pray that you will take time to read that contract. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, we exalt your holy name. Lord, I know that I rushed through this sermon, but I pray that at least one person had something. And Father, I pray that uh, this one, Lord, will be planted in us, that Father, uh, this sermon will create in us an urge, a desire to discover for ourselves everything, the fullness of the Lord and everything that it entails to be believers. Lord, we thank you, we exhort you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.